Hey there fellow geeks and nerds, Gareth here. Just a reminder before the show starts that we are accessible on all the usual social media haunts. Facebook, you can find us on facebook.com slash thegeeksjournal. Instagram, at thegeeksjournal. Twitter, at geeksjournaluk. The Geeks Journal is available on most podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, you get the picture. So please, feel free to share and recommend to anyone you think might enjoy it as much as I hope you are too. If the moment should take your fancy, leave a little comment or review. Apparently it helps. I have no idea how, but apparently it does. Thanks for sticking with me through all the boring spiel. And now, on with the show. Greetings and salutations, fellow geeks and nerds. Welcome back to the Geeks Journal podcast. Gareth here, and I'm very grateful to be joined by the collective. Welcome back, Damien, Lee, and Ollie. And joining us once again, Luke. Gentlemen, hello. 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 Listeners, as we previewed on our Super Mario episode, which I think we've just about recovered from, mm. question mark? Hmm. No, I watched it for pointless now. Well, I did actually, <laughs> to be fair, I actually did want to take a moment to show my appreciation. And uh, we need to take a moment to commend Luke. Uh, listeners, this man suffered through this dumpster fire of a movie for the purpose of this show. And then unfortunately, the last minute, as you're aware, if you listen to the last episode, could not be with us at the last minute. So he suffered for it for nothing. Even Ollie only watched it for the purposes of the show, and he owns the DVD. (laughs) (laughs) Whilst commending Luke, I also wanted to take another moment to highlight that Ollie owns that DVD of that movie. Can we hold, like, um, you know, put put an Instagram story up where we, like, ritually destroy that DVD, maybe with, like, catapults, air rifles... I think there has to be something. Listeners, at the start of the show, you would have uh, had a little notification as to our social medias and where you can find us, if you should see fit. <laughs> Answer, answers on a postcard and a stamped addressed envelope. If you would like to see something happen to this DVD of Ollie's so that it in no way exists on this plane anymore. I think there needs to be one less DVD of this movie. What's the best way to destroy the DVD? <laughs> Though someone will have to send me in a replacement coaster. <laughs> so, just saying. Moving on to the purpose of this instalment, next little retrospective uh, is about a family who is creepy, kooky, and altogether ooky. You missed out, mysterious and spooky. The Adams Family. Movie was released in 1991 based on the TV show from 1964, which was actually based on comic strips from The New Yorker in 1938. Most people out there, if you're listening to this, you probably already know the premise of the family already. It's very eccentric and and, and spooky family living around Midwest America, I don't know. It always indicated that it might have been New York or something. I think it's New Jersey. New Jersey. New Jersey, because that's where Charles Adams, the writer, uh, I believe, lived. Okay. So I think it's kind of like around the New Jersey area. So the main premise of the movie is that a con artist plans to fleece the eccentrically spooky family using an accomplice, her son, posing as their long-lost uncle. So somebody is posing as Uncle Fester. 
And the movie stars the late great Raul Julia, Angelica Houston, Christopher Lloyd, and an insanely young Christina Ritchie. I think this may have actually been one of her, if not her first Wasn't movie. Mermaids around the same time? Mermaids, sorry, you're right. Featuring Mario himself, Mario Mario, Bob Hoskins. <laughs> Quote unquote Bob Hoskins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Digital Bob Hoskins, I, I believe. <laughs> CGI Bob Hoskins. Yeah, allegedly. Bob allegedly. <laughs> CGI Bob actor allegedly good to talk bob hoskins yeah. <laughs> so the movie was actually brought to us uh, by barry sonnenfeld this was his directorial debut barry sonnenfeld of course then went on to uh, release and direct other movies such as uh, the men in black trilogy the these days insanely questionable wild wild west <laughs> wiki, and wiki. wild wild west jim west desperado rough rider no, you don't want nada. Right. <laughs> See you guys, I'm off. <laughs> Luke, I want to go to you for initial impressions first, because I believe you're one of the few of us that hadn't actually seen this before. Yeah, I, I think I I know of the family. I, I think I've seen some, is it the Monsters, you know, the old sort of uh, TV series, kind of know of the family. And you know the monsters and the Adams family are not the same. Yeah, no, right? I said that. Thank, I mean, you. Thank you. I was, I was twitching there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like... I know, it's like, they're not the same, are they? But I mean, like, I've seen the old cartoons, I don't want to, um, and then you know, the old TV series, I say. And I was like, I don't think I've seen this. I think I've seen the sequel to this. <laughs> I've never seen this film. So I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot. And I got to say, I wasn't that impressed with it. I've never really been that <gasps> a fan wow. of it. Okay. I think there's some good bits out of it. It was showing some age. I do think there are some good, obviously, the actors in it are brilliant. And some of the scenes were really, really worked really well. And obviously, yeah, to start off, I didn't realize it was Ralph Julian. I was like, shit, that's Bison's voice. <laughs> <laughs> For you, it was Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, funny enough, that was the first day I watched it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wasn't overly fun. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I just wasn't, mm. it didn't really appeal to me per se. Yeah, I, I don't know if I agree that it has dated. Because of the way it's filmed, the music, the soundtrack, and the atmosphere, and like the costume dressing and set design, I think it has aged really quite well because you never really know what time period it is anyway. You you, you kind of know it's the 90s, but it could kind of be set any time. And even though it's set in the 90s, it could even be set much earlier, like the 50s. So and, and, unless there's specific references, very specific references that, that age it. It's fairly but, timeless, I think. Yeah, I would say it was. It, it, it's aged pretty well and is is timeless and almost like non-time specific as well yes the film as a whole overall yeah is fantastic i don't think i saw this at the cinema i think it's one of the few things i didn't see during the 90s at the cinema see i did yeah i did so i was a big fan of watching the the original tv series on bbc2 yeah i think it was like it was it was after six o'clock kind of like the same time as like Buffy was on or like Heartbreak High was on. I think it was like a Tuesday night or something, was it? We had Adam's Family, Adam's Family on a Tuesday, Star Trek on a Wednesday. Yeah. Was it BBC? Was it? I could have sworn it was Channel 4. Like, no, on it was, it was, nah, it was on BBC Sunday. Yeah, BBC. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I grew up just watching everything that was like on after school hours. And I, I used to love the Adam's Family TV show. And mm. I'm pretty sure I must have, we must have got this on vhs pretty early on when it came out and same 
and probably back then it probably came out in like 92 on video and it probably even aired on the BBC not long after and yeah I've I've loved it ever since like mm. I've watched it so many times if it's on TV I'll watch it through from wherever it starts it's yeah. only an hour and a half film but I, I I love it for its for the actors the directing the the costumes the design and the script very good film great film lee moving on to you a sec yeah um i i remember i watched this around gotta be 20 years ago like it, it was a long time ago i didn't see it at the cinema but i was fully aware of the adams family and who they were i remember the mc hammer tune being on the radio at the time and like you know like we were just saying i, I remember i definitely remember seeing some episodes on tv when it was on i you know mistakenly thought it was channel four but clearly not Rewatching it again just recently was quite quite good actually because it's I think it's aged quite well personally I think other than you know I I went a bit corridor crew on some of the effects shots you know they've maybe not aged particularly well in in places but I mean some of them are pretty bloody good like some of the bits of of, of thing you know you're like oh my god that, you know this is 1991 and it looks really good yeah. and then there are a few that are like oh that's a bit ropey it's, it's hit and miss but. I can kind of I, I can relate to Luke, you know. I've I, with some of the yeah. other films we've covered on this podcast, you know, I, you guys have had quite a bit of nostalgia, and I maybe haven't. And while I'm not massively attached to this one, you know, I did enjoy it. It's a great film. I, you know, we'll, we'll get into it more. Damien, last but by, by no means least, like like what about yourself? What's your experience with this initially? Well, but it was TV premiere. I saw it. Obviously, well aware of the show. I think what's confusingly is the monsters was on ITV. Yeah, I remember that. I knew they were ITV. Unlike Luke, I was fully aware they were two different families. It's fine. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and I, it, they were more well-known. That's the annoying thing. That show got more well-known than this. Really? But there's nothing wrong with that either. Like, like no. you know, I, like, I don't think The Munsters in, is in any way an inferior product to The Addams Family. They were two very different they, beasts, yeah. no pun intended. But they equally had... They had a lot of similarities, though. Very strong messages. They had a lot of similarities, but at the same time, they had a lot of strong messages at the time of diversity and embracing your 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 individuality you which i think mm. exactly and i think like for this is what this is this is probably going to be like like one of the deeper things that i have to say about this film as as we go but you don't really think about that like when you're a kid watching it but you know i mean this came out in 91 so i was eight years old eight nine years old and i remember my dad taking me to the cinema to see this and i remember watching it as a kid and just going this is great and then I get a little bit older, a few years older, and then I watch it again. Obviously, I watched it tons more times before then, but as you develop and you start paying more attention, you just go, oh, wait, I get it now. But no, I, I do agree with you. It, you, have, you could have, it could be set anywhere in this, this mm. film. And it's, we watch films to be entertained. And yeah. And this, this, for me, as we'll get into, it is entertaining. And with that, I think, let's get into it. So the film starts off, it's a very bizarre cold open, I find, because it actually starts off with carol singers. Yeah, but it opens with carols. Yeah, it's one of the, there's a few scenes that are taken directly from Charles Adams' original cartoons, and that's one of them. That's, a, oh. that's one of the cartoons he did. Uh, the other one is Gomez's Toy Trains, uh, The Octopus on Wednesday's Bed is another one, and Pugsy with the Road Sign, they're all taken from... The octopus that's on Wednesday, the end of Wednesday's bed, the painting of it. I had a bit of confusion actually with the carol singers because I was like, 
I don't remember this being a Christmas. You know, I, when it started off, I thought, oh, is this like, is it like Gremlins? Like, you know, is it all set around Christmas? But yeah, clearly it's just that one scene just to get that homage in, I guess. I just thought it was bizarre. I, I mean, now I know it's a reference to the Carol Singers in the comic strip. It makes a little bit more sense. But when I was watching this, I literally wrote down, wouldn't the Carol Singers be facing the house? Like, they have their backs to the house. Staring straight down the barrel of the camera. Oh, is it not a case of? Isn't that like sort of an implied perspective shift, so that they're looking at the door, and then we shift perspective, so you can see the Adams family? Well, no, because the the camera literally just pans up, so they're a good like ten, twelve feet or what have you away from the front door. But that's when, of course, the camera pans up, and we see just this iconic roof shot obviously you're seeing every member of the adams family bar uncle fester at this point and we get to that shortly but we're seeing lurch wednesday pugsley mama the the grandmother and i'm sorry for me just the perfect and i'm going to get into this a little bit later but the perfect casting of this film and possibly most films to be perfectly honest for me Raul Julia as Gomez Adams and Angelica Houston as Morticia. And they are just flawless in this movie. I don't know. I think we should get into the casting because I... Do it. Do it. Go. I I agree with you. There there are very few films in the world that I think have perfect casting. And Mm. even re-watching this, I was like, they are perfect. They, They... they become the characters so beautifully. They are everything. They make the film. It's it's a rare moment in time where it's not just script, it's not just director, but casting all come together and just like create like this this beautiful bit of cinema. The two of them definitely make it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It. Uh, he's gone on record to say it was the favourite role he ever played because of all the children that came up to him and said how much they loved it. And you can tell that he's having the time of his mm, life. You really can. That was one of my one of my biggest sort of takeaways was that you, you can clearly see he's having a fun time playing this role. It's interesting to see, like, like, like having, because obviously after that vat gets tipped over and it, like, the camera kind of pans into the cauldron and you get this, you get the iconic da 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 And it, thank you. I, it was interesting because, because I, I think a lot of Sonnenfeld movies start this way like they have these big opening credits like men in black had that as well see now you said this i i wasn't aware that um because I, I never really look up who directors are unless it's like really expressly said but the whole bit with like i watched these titles and i was like the the the, the design of these titles does not match the design on all the sort of you know promotional material and now, now you say that Men in Black is very, very similar, and it doesn't match their logo type, and it is it is almost pretty much the same font as this, to a degree. So it's definitely yeah. the same sort of you know white text on black backdrop type. I'm gonna say I re- I really like it from like a design point of view and a typography point of view. So graphic design head on it now. I I love like the opening credits where we we get the music and we get the. Like the asymmetric font that comes up, and it's Dude, really... it needs to ma- like promotional material. You know, opposing design view here. I don't worry about <laughs> that. Like the like the posters and the video covers don't matter. But the opening credits, like that typography and the way it like comes in, sweeps in the, the black gnarly, almost like s- skeletal 
lines i think it's so suiting for this film it is it's rare nowadays that you even get like the uh like the, the, the post film credits so it's, it was a joy to see it again i'd get my ass kicked if a campaign had a different font in one medium compared to the others I find it annoying, really annoying. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't mind the credits and I don't mind the credits and having them at the front. That is fine. It's just like you say, it's those fonts. Like one, like there's two different fonts and one of them I found was like sometimes illegible to read. And I'm going, what's his surname? I don't know. Because I can't bloody read it. It's because you can't read. Oh yeah, I can read. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't read when it doesn't spell a word. You're listening to Design Week. (laughs) The movie then opens and we see thing who is <laughs> i wasn't going to use the pun handyman for the adams family but is literally that it's just this this dismembered hand that is just running around the place and i found it incredibly amusing the fact like the guy i didn't even make a note of who the guy was that was the, that was playing thing but i actually checked his imdb it is literally he has never been in front of a camera other than his hand everything he has done has literally been just <laughs> No pun intended, just hand stuff. <laughs> I This is one of the places where I feel it hasn't aged well and the graphics used for the hand. It's just uh, like the edging, and it's just very jarring around. Like okay. you can see the blurs around the edge of the sort of the hand at the end of it. It's just kind of like for me as a first watch, that's what I notice, and that takes away from the rest of what's going on. Fair enough. I think that's a problem with our modern TVs with older films. Yeah. And this has actually been remastered. It's due to come out in November on 4K. So it'd be quite interesting to see what they've managed to do. I think it'd be interesting in the sense of, you know, I, I mean, the trouble, like, like, God bless it. Like, I love the movie to bits, but like Jurassic Park, for example. Yeah, like, y- you know, the, the, like like when you have films that, ha- like, it's just the prints being cleaned up, but that mm. doesn't help with the texturing and things like that. And most studios don't fork up the money to make things like more detail than that they just want the picture to be crisper and they want it to be uh, so it can be upscaled on 4k like that i do understand what you're saying with that lou to be sure it's a time and budget thing right you know anyone who's yeah, watched corridor yeah. crew will, will know that they will say you know if if somebody's saying we need this shot by tuesday and it's monday afternoon it's going to be a bit ropey in places and evidently if there was trouble production then it's going to happen in places you know compared to something like jurassic park that's got a much bigger budget and a you know much longer time frame you're going to see some ropey effects but before we move on can we just start back to uh, a moment of appreciation for that cuckoo clock where uh, the little mini gomez is clearly <laughs> kissing morticia's chest and not right. her face i <laughs> so mean crazy fair play just going going back to the effects we do have to remember the time though it was 1991 and even so the scale of the effect is a hand-sized effect on what was probably predominantly done either on like on a blue screen or it was then cut afterwards so the body was cut away afterwards it's a bit, no, it varies i think some some of them they'll use perspective shots where there'll be like a prosthetic bit here but actually the hand will be coming up through or behind position or, or behind something coming through a table but i still think yeah. it's really really effective i think especially well later on where the hand is running through the house and he jumps or he tugs at Gomez's trousers. I still think it stands up and I remember seeing it at the time and being blown away by it and it being one of the like the best effects I'd ever seen. And I've just watched it on a 5k screen and to be fair, I 
I didn't notice. A 5K screen? Is that a thing? Yeah. yeah I've got not to brag. You can get up. <laughs> yeah. check, out, check out money bags over there. Yeah, I'm not going to take away from it being good. I'm just saying that for me, my first watch, I just noticed. This is what I, That's what I initially noticed straight away. And that's what then took away from the film a bit. Because I noticed it and I went, oh, that's slightly annoying. And then I had that in my head all the way through the film when I saw it. Okay, and so it attracted. I'm making, but I'm, yeah. That's, that's yeah. what I mean. But I mean... You, your guys, you're going from watching it previously, nostalgia, nostalgia, and yeah. going, I love this film, and I'm trying to be. I haven't seen this. I'm watching this, and this is what I notice. Like I say, if the remastered version is out, then I'm going to say that's it will make it should enhance the film. I think watching it 20 years ago, you're not going to see that, are you? We find out that the timeline because the movie starts with with Gomez outside of Fester's room. He's saying that it's been 25 years since Fester disappeared. And this is where things get a little bit muddled for me. And if I'm going to nitpick anything, this is where I'm going to uh, choose stuff, it, it, it is the timeline of events. Because granted, we don't necessarily know when this is set, but you do get the impression that it's supposed to be contemporary through various things that you see in the outside world. 25 years, there's an in-joke here. 25 years takes it to 1966, which is when the show was cancelled. But then you have to want, like, because... Morticia refers to Gomez a lot like previously in the film and stuff like that but Gomez and Morticia weren't a thing so like, like you don't understand why she has an attachment to what's going on or the rest of the family because none of them would have really known him it, 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 it just seemed like an odd uh, an odd way to put it across it's funny and the original cartoons Festa is actually Morticia's brother and it was changed for this film so he was oh. Gomez's, and it, it stuck ever everything since he has been Gomez's brother. Was he and... not Gomez's brother in the TV series? No, no wasn't no. he meant to be Morticia's mother's brother? So Morticia's uncle, I thought it was her her mum's brother. Oh, okay. and then obviously yeah. they changed yeah, it for this maybe. film and subsequent yeah, stuff. Could well be, it's yeah. now Gomez's brother, so the uncle for the kids. But I think what we should probably acknowledges that i don't think this was meant to be a direct follow-on from the tv show no it's not it's not an acu situation you know where everything ties together it, it's it's a it's a it's more <laughs> of a, it's more of a what if right it's a it's it's a what if style <laughs> yeah. side you know alternate universe take on the adams family in a contemporary setting compared to yes being in yeah. the 60s after Gomez has this moment of reflection looking at Fester's room, we get introduced to Morticia for the first time. And the way that they do this character is just stunning. There is a trick that they do that has stuck with me for years. And it's something that they do throughout this movie, throughout Adam's Family Values and the second one. And that is the, the, the lit eyeline of Morticia. Whenever you look at her, she may be in shadow, but her eye line is always lit, and it's just ah, chef's kiss. It's just glorious. What a role she played! Ah, iconic, without doubt. Yeah, she's just like this um, devilishly like sexy kind of ghoul character, isn't she? Yes, she she just encompasses the role, but it's also the lines she has with Gomez, and you see it throughout the film. Like, there's it's. It's almost like poetic. It's like so. The line that I I think is brilliant in in this scene is the uh, Gomez last night. You were unhinged. You were like yes. some <laughs> desperate howling demon. You frightened me. But then it's like 
do it again <laughs> so yes. it's like this it's this negative <laughs> negative negative but then it's like this twist there's this positive at the end and it's just it's repeated throughout the film especially by her and i every time i think it's brilliant and it, there's almost something rather like sexy about it and that's what drives gomez wild and yeah, yeah. their chemistry is phenomenal i think you're right with the with the kind of her comedic you know sense of delivery is is brilliant throughout the film like there's so many bits where like you know she would say something almost unexpected during a sentence and it's yeah it's, it made me chuckle quite a few times yeah oh because there's one later on it's like uh no he's too young <laughs> well, that, that's another good one or don't torture yourself gomez that's my job <laughs> it's just there are the so many lines in this film so many like like memorable funny lines as well i i, I mean there's like i'm jumping ahead a little bit but there's a line when gomez is talking to the quote-unquote psychiatrist and i just say about like it's like and who these people who go through this who hate their mother and he just goes like but i didn't hate my mother it was an accident <laughs> <laughs> i didn't realize this to, to, to begin with because i never really understood where wednesday's name came from obviously we 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 meet pugsley on wednesday and i never actually really understood where the name came from uh, but that's apparently because it comes from Mother Goose poem. Yeah, Wednesday's a child of woe. Yes, yeah, Wednesday's child is full of woe. Do you know what her middle name is? Friday. It's, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's Wednesday, Friday Adams. Yeah. Wednesday, Friday Adams. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why Friday? I'm confused. <laughs> no idea. It's just, uh, it's just Friday. Like Wednesday, Thursday Adams would <laughs> yeah. make more sense, right? <laughs> We then cut to, we see Tully, who is the Adams family lawyer who takes care of the estate. And he's going to see Gomez to, to, to arrange business and, 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 to, and to do all the dealings for that month. Uh, and this is when you start getting the impression that he's not necessarily a good man. He is a lawyer, but he is a very broke lawyer. They're like his only client and they don't, you find out later, they don't actually pay him, pay him. They're paying him in doubloons and all sorts of crazy nonsense. So he can't actually be making that much money. And he's walking out with his wife, Margaret? Uh, yeah, it is, Mar- it is Margaret. I just, I, I love, you know, they like, they're not happy. That's very clear. And we find out how unhappy later on in the film. There's the, I just love the moment between them where she turns around and says, why on earth did I marry you? And he says, because I said yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that bit did make me chuckle. <laughs> the writing in this film is, is very good. Like, oh, it's, it's so brilliant, good. Like, Again, subtle humour, which is what I like. I don't like blatant. I do like blatant slap, slapstick, but you know what I mean? I much prefer it when it's subtle. There's a lot of stuff that skated by me when I was younger, which I think I probably noticed more in this viewing than I think I ever have before. Yeah, it's one of the strengths of this is no one's playing it, but a lot of comedies fall down when the cast start playing it for laughs and it doesn't work. This works because they are playing it straight. Mm. Yeah. This 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 is the school of Leslie Nielsen in Naked Gun. This is the school of Lloyd Bridges in Airplane. Even like 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 contemporaries now, where you see like Stephanie Beatrice and Andre Bauer in 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 Brooklyn Nine Nine playing Rosa and Holt. Just unbelievably amazing comic timing when it is played 
straight. It's like like it's like like it it it's a cliche, but timing is everything. You can play it straight and have the right timing to it, and it will be a lot funnier than if you're just playing it up for laughs and and just banging it out to the cheap seats. And there's something truly great about the way that they do that in this film. It's so subtle. I love. I've I've always loved the fencing scene at the beginning. This seemed like such a bananas opening to the film, and they're not like going easy on each other and you can tell they've done this a lot because Tully, Tully does have some moves to be fair he's holding his own quite a bit I did read that it's actually the actors and not stunt doubles doing the sword fighting scene wow yeah so I think and I think that's what helps make the scene feel a little bit like effortless because you've also got like the banter going on between them as well as the sword mm. fighting it's it's not like there's words and then there's fighting it's all going on at the same time it's like just a fluid shot yeah i do agree it do, this this does work and like the subsequent sort of scene as well when they fence again you can tell it, it does look like it is them because you can see that they're there's nothing extravagant really in their in their sword fighting it's it i would say it looks kind of basic from what you see but it works quite well because they're going to what they can do and as you see, you can see Raul Julia having fun in this straight away. Yes. Off the bat, yeah. he's he's loving this bit. It's just yeah. like it's not masked with like quick cuts and like, you know, no. dark alleyways like in Iron Fist or something. <laughs> yeah, it just flows all the way through with like the, those those two characters just going through. It's like the camera's panning around and just following them um, and not not like cutting back and forward. Mm. We we cut to another scene and Margaret is is spending some time with Morticia and uh, and and her mother and lurch and they have this great moment where like margaret's arranging an auction this charity auction and you know you get the impression the mortician said i'll come over i'm sure we've got something and they're looking through the cabinet <laughs> and they're pulling out the bag and it's like uncle knickknack's summer wardrobe thump uncle knickknack's winter wardrobe thump and they pull out another bag and they're, uncle knickknack thump <laughs> but again that's a point of like where like lee was saying like earlier they don't play it for laughs it's just so straight faced yep. and so deadpan and that's where the laugh happens that's yeah. what makes mm. it so seem so effortless because the yep. way yeah angelica houston just delivers those lines they're they are beautiful so well done one thing i did notice about these two scenes i was like it was all they're, they're really funny but thing was seem to be in two places at once because oh. he seemed to be up yeah. in with Gomez up in the fight and then literally cuts he's there and then he cuts back down and he's downstairs he's down there like on the thing pointing to the, what they're trying to find. Oh, good catch. Um, okay. Didn't but I mean, that. there might be a little time difference. I don't know, but I'm just thinking that if there's a happen kind of similar at the same time, he seems to just appear down. He's a disembodied hand. He could teleport for all we know. <laughs> How do you know it's the same hand, to be I'm, fair? I'm thinking, is there two of them? Yeah, <laughs> could be multiple. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if we rewatch this again and we look at it just and wait a minute? That's, that's left a left right hand, hand. but <laughs> downstairs is a right hand. I wonder, what? actually, yeah, I wonder if there's, like, continuity errors like that where it goes like from being a right hand to a left hand and vice versa. Mm. That's bound to happen. Someone on the internet will have documented this, right? You would imagine the amount that this man has been paid, considering the fact how much he is paid in numerous films and TV series for being a hand, he wouldn't get it wrong. Was he Joey's <laughs> identical hand twin, by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> so the idea here is that Tully is essentially going to embezzle money from the Adams family. He talks about setting up a trust in Fester's name, like a scholarship or something like that. And so they're going to 
put the money in that and he said obviously i'll put the i'll put the 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 fund in my name for for tax purposes and that's when you start to get an impression of like how bad things actually are for him we find out the reason why tully is embezzling his money is because he is in deep with someone who he owes money to he who is this seemingly innocuous middle-aged woman who has brought her muscle with her in the form of her son gordon and then tully takes a closer look at him and resembles he sees a resemblance to fester except you know gordon's got curly brown hair and stuff like that other than that he is a spitting image of fester nine years old watching this movie it blew my fucking mind when my dad broke to me that this was dr emmett brown this is this 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 may have been one of the biggest examples of stage makeup for me like like as a kid seeing the difference between a character that i knew already and to how the actor then appeared in a different role i didn't twig for years that it was doc brown <laughs> i i genuinely had no clue and again perhaps that's as you say down to makeup and the physical acting of christopher lloyd but i it was many many years until i realized i mean he smashes it as fester but like i think that's oh, that's a testament yeah. to christopher lloyd because i you know i knew because i watched this quite late you know i watched this 10 years after it came out i knew he was in it but testament to christopher lloyd he was the bad guy in dennis the menace and i didn't know that until you know a long time after that film came out <laughs> yes he was that's right I when I obviously watching this, I obviously I knew who he was anyway from the beginning. But I had reminiscence just some of the stuff how he he portrayed and stuff like the wording and stuff, which reminded me of Judge Doom from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. (laughs) 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 It just went went, okay, but um, you could clearly see he was having again. This is another actor who was having fun in this role. He absolutely smashes it. He's very much. Yeah, he's so so good. The point the time of year that it is like it's after christmas now and we're into the new year and so that's when every year they hold a seance to try and communicate with fester and the story behind his disappearance is that he's supposed to have gone off traveling he and gomez have a fight when they were younger in their late teens early 20s what have you and he disappears in the bermuda triangle he's gone to all of these crazy landmarks and he went to the bermuda triangle disappeared and he's not been seen since so what tully and this lone shark i can't even remember the character's proper name oh abigail craven abigail craven thank you they're going to use this to their advantage now that they know that gordon bears a very striking resemblance to fester sans hair just i mean just the presence of angelica houston in this there's the moment she stood at the top of the stairs i think there's a a a credit production wise to this movie is the is the set yeah interior and exterior is flawless and you have the scene like like margaret and tully come into the house and then out of nowhere you just hear this welcome friends and there's just Morticia at the top of the stairs, arms folded, beaming down on them. It's just fantastic. You don't even question that that is a set, right? That is like this is this is a house. Like it doesn't mm. doesn't even feel like a movie set. I mean, I don't know whether it was or not, but I mean, it's yeah, it's brilliant. Really, really good. And credit to um, Barry Sonnenfeld here as well, because this yeah, this is his first film after being a cinematographer. 
and, and a cinematographer for like the Cohen brothers. So he knows how to frame a shot and he has got some heritage and, and it shows throughout this film. Some of the sequences, some of the shots, some of the like the, the tracking shots and the zoom shots and the wide panning shots, they all just look beautiful. There's quite a few scenes in this film where you could just take stills and because of his cinematography, the lighting and the set design, it just looks stunning. I was reading somewhere the exterior of the house actually was built in budget for about a hundred grand. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a character in of itself, the house. Oh, like like again, iconic. Like like in terms of like exteriors, it's you know, it's it's things like the Ghostbusters fire station, Bates Motel, the Adams family house. It's it, it like such recognized structures. And it's really standout, and I think like like yeah, the, the the production value of this film I think is 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 really great. Obviously, they they stage this part of the seance so that I say you know like knock x number of times or whatever, and they hear this banging on the door, and they start freaking out, and that's when Gomez realizes he's at the door, and they open the door, and there's Gordon with his head shaved in proper like fester garb and i just remember watching this this time around just because wow i mean like how lucky was it that gordon actually sounded like fester as well <laughs> it's incredibly convenient that he went all the way to the Bermuda triangle got amnesia spoilers came back to you know just <laughs> down the road from where he originated i mean america's a big old place right didn't didn't oh spoilers abigail find him in a tuna fishing net down in florida well, yes, this is the what well, this is the thing, and we are jumping ahead a little bit. I'm gonna get to I'm gonna get to Hence, that. I said spoilers if you haven't seen a thirty year old film by now. Yeah. <laughs> like well, me. If you listen to this podcast before seeing that film though, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. I found it quite funny because um Abigail the mother um poses as a psychiatrist called Dr. Pinderschloss, which is actually quite funny because it's like like I I I look this up and it's because um it's actually two German words paired together. Yeah. Hinder meaning nut and Schloss meaning house or about or something like that. So <laughs> her name as a psychiatrist is literally Nut House. Yeah, I had that as well. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was abusing. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, then everyone's really happy to see Fester back, and he goes to he goes to his room. I just thought it was a very funny physical gag where he just lands on the bed and just kind of sinks into yeah. it. <laughs> There's another line that I really like here where Morticia starts going through his suitcase oh, yes. and Fester's like really worried <laughs> that like there's a chainsaw or there's like this rope or TNT Dynamite, and then yeah. she pulls out cyanide and there's like a pause moment and it's like as if we'd run out. <laughs> and again, it's just that that line and that delivery that she has that just makes all the jokes. And then, but the fear in Fester's eyes that he thinks something's wrong. Oh, it's... it's that contrast, isn't it, between her kind of deadpan and his like over the top reactions? Yeah. Plus that face he kind of pulls where it all kind of caves in on itself <laughs> and he like creates yeah. these like yeah. multiple chins and his eyes are really dark. And it's that. <gasps> I think you start to like, I mean, they obviously foreshadow it quite a lot throughout this film that he really is Fester, but. You know the, the how quickly he adjusts to like being in that bed and like you know it's it's that kind of he's familiar you know it's it's coming back to him kind of thing isn't it? There's it, quite a lot more foreshadowing than I remembered. I I noticed a lot more subtleties watching it this time around than I ever have before. Yeah, all the cast what well, uh, they wanted to know one way or another because it wasn't in it wasn't specified originally if 
he was an imposter or not. And they sent Christina Ritchie up to, to ask, because they thought she's cute, she's young. They were, and the only person that didn't care one way or another was Christopher Lloyd. He said, I don't care. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter to me. But yes, all, this... yeah. Following morning, they were all having breakfast. And there was just a moment where where Wednesday turns around to Fester and just said, oh, can you pass me the... And I'll pass me the milk or something salt. like that. Salt, yeah. The salt, sorry. And and, and Monty said, what do we say Wednesday? And she goes, now. And I watched that and just went, oh my God, like this is this is, this is is breakfast time with my two-year-old at the moment. <laughs> That's literally, <laughs> literally all we're getting every so often. It's like, what, what should we do with that? This. Well, don't you want this? No. Now. This. Oh, fine. <laughs> It, to be honest though like Christina Ricci throughout this film shines because you know she's 11 years old yes. at this point and like at no point does she feel like a child acting you know what I mean it's sort of mm. beyond her years almost it's quite it's quite impressive talent is very developed at this yeah. point there's no quavering in like her delivery whatsoever she, she is flawless in this in this particular film she nails every single line she says her interaction with like Pugsley and all of the adult actors as well. Mm. She holds her own, and that's and that's you can see it when she's talking to more well Angelica Houston and to Pugsley. She like steals every scene. Yes, you can tell like like particularly like interactions that she has with Pugsley in this. Like he's he's delivering lines. It's fine. It's nothing special really you know i'm not gonna be a dick about it is you know it's like kid performing it's still you know he's still a very talented kid but if you compare the two christina ritchie is just on another level with with the characters i always took wednesday to be the smart child and pugsy's more the, the dumb one. Oh, um, for sure yeah so him she uh, it's like where the lines came out it, it worked well because that's that's the dynamic they had um, so like you said he he performed his lines well, but it wasn't great. I mean, it wasn't, not great. Not wasn't great. It's was a wrong term. But I mean, like he just done it. It's fairly standard. Okay, isn't he? he was yeah. a standard. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was nothing, but nothing outstanding by it. But with her, it just made it because I think how she delivered it made obviously enhanced that character of being that smart child. Yeah, and she also has quite a lot of like the jokes in those as well, like the puns. It's like where we first kind of seen them. It's like Pug- Pugsley sit in the chair. Oh, why? Because we're going to play a game. What game? Oh, it's called, is there a God? And you just like, <laughs> you just see her eyebrows twitch. And it's just yeah. brilliant, isn't it? He's the straight guy, isn't he, to her? Yeah, he's, he's, he's the, the setup, he, and she... Yeah. yeah, but he is so gullible. <laughs> I think that's just, I think that's just a thing between the two characters in general as well. Not like Not just the way that these two are playing them. I think Wednesday has always been the the more interesting character of the two which topical point of conversation is the reason why we have netflix producing this series that tim burton is making mm. about wednesday in college effectively mm. um which i believe is uh jenny ortega uh who's playing wednesday yes. adams and the two characters that have been revealed there have been a few others that have been revealed but the two main ones making cameos of Gomez and Morticia in this is actually Louise Guzman is playing Gomez. And Catherine Zeta Jones is playing Morticia, which when I thought about it, I was like, do you know what? Kind of works. Not as mad about those castings as I thought I'd be. 
Do you think he's taken this job now because it's a bit of regret from not directing this film when he was offered it? I did wonder, but I did, But do you know? But do you know what? I don't think this would have had the same tone, and I don't think it would have been as funny. It's interesting that you say about Burton because I thought that partway through I was like, it's mad how Burton esque a lot of this film is in terms mm. of like you know designs and the things like some of the graveyard like you know the kind of the look of the sculptures in the graveyard and it's, and like that intro scene is obviously quite it's more Sonnenfeld now but at the time it's like oh is this sort of a Burton Burton it's vehicle? very Beetlejuice Nightmare Before Christmas yeah. isn't it which is mad because he's nothing to do with it like but it's, it's no a lot but it's, of it's more Tim Burton than a Tim Burton film <laughs> yeah <laughs> especially in recent years yeah. so we have this um, where uh, Gomez is going to take Festa to the vault after breakfast, which is like the first thing that he's going to do, which 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 Gordon can't believe his luck, because that's the whole point about why he's there, so he can then find out where the vault is, and he can find out where the money is. And, you know, watching this contemporarily now, I watched this and just went, like, like Gringotts in Harry Potter literally has nothing on this vault. Like, trying to get to this place was just fantastic like, like, like so many slides and gondola rides and all sorts is absolutely that magnificent slide scene is ridiculous because it's clearly <laughs> only like one small helter skelter style slide and yet it, it they obviously went on it loads of times and did different takes where like you know Festa's in front and then gomez is and like you know it goes you know the camera turns upside down and things like that it's, it's hilarious it's the it it's the manic look on Julia's face mm. again as well. Like you could tell like there was not much like of a chore in this movie for him. He was just having so much fun. I did wonder because you can hear the music and I wasn't sure if that music was playing for us or if they were hearing the music when they were going down the <laughs> slide or something. It was just really... Just... That adds to it, doesn't it? That anarchic, like squeaky music. It's really... Mm. It, it accentuates what's going on. Yes, quite, quite. There's a, I get like the, like we have more iconic lines in this. Where like, they're trying to work out the combination to the safe. Yeah. Two, ten, eleven. And he's getting, it's, and it's like two, ten, and he goes uh, six, <laughs> eleven, eyes, fingers, toes. <laughs> <laughs> but this is actually a reference to um, Wednesday, because in the original, like I think it's the original comic books, she or books she's referred to as having 11 toes oh is that right yeah. this is where they drink the brandy isn't it and those gigantic brandy glasses with the cigars yeah yeah this is an oddly moving scene actually because you have this gomez is looking around for for this projector reel. He's like beating some creature up, isn't he? That's <laughs> yeah. in the box as well. <laughs> Doesn't he actually yell out no, down for kitty. Cleo no, down kitty as well. is, further, is previous to that. Is it that's is previous to that? Because that's a reference to Cleo. That's a reference to the pet lion mm. in the original Adams Family series. But while this is going like like Gordon picks up the wrong stopper from one of the decanters and it turns around and he finds out that's where all the riches are but it turns around before he can do anything and that's when Gomez pulls out the projection reel and goes showtime and this this for me is like like it's a, it's a great like it's a really well acted scene by by Raul Julia in this because it's very heartfelt they're watching a reel a projection 
which was like one of the last nights that they had together and they went on this double date with these twins flora and fauna these conjoined twins <laughs> and you find out that gomez slept with both of them broke Festus' heart that's where the argument came and then he disappeared and then gomez just has this like, like julia has this great delivery of of, of penance really yeah no, it's really great but yeah those branded they, they're ridiculously massive and i'm looking at a screen grab of now and it's and the look on um gomez's face like, me the 13th duke of wimbham here <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it's to finally find out it was just it was just stupid young man jealous bravado, bravado yeah, yeah and he was jealous of Fester. did he sleep with him though is that what they say I just got the impression yeah, implied, isn't it? He like just wooed them. So Gomez actually confesses to 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 Festa that it was just bullish pride. He 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 wooed them because I, I, I mean you get the impression like he says wooed that like, I do like I do get the impression that like things definitely got down that night. There was no you know I don't see it as innocent, but <laughs> you have this impression. And he goes on to talk about that he was just that he was jealous of of Fester because the twins, the twins loved Fester. The twins wanted Fester, and Gomez just got nah, can't have that. I'm going in, and he, it, it, it's a it's, it's one of the more human moments of the film. It sounds a very odd comment to make, but it's it's definitely one of the more grounded moments that they have when he has that moment of realization how he acted out and it cost 25 years of their relationship and gomez has always blamed himself for that and that's that breakthrough that you see but then this does lead straight on to a moment where gomez then starts to suspect fester because there's like yeah there's little things that he doesn't remember that start adding up like the combination and then the the secret password when he puts him in a headlock there's a moment because we're about to get to probably the biggest like suspicions are rife like really early on like luke from like like as a newcomer into this film i don't know how you felt about this but for, but for me even watching this now i feel the film doesn't lag a lot there's not much lull in this film i think the pace of it is actually quite good yeah yeah no i, I agree um it just yeah it's, there's no sort of yeah like no lull or anything it just goes from one to next and like you say the this point there is suspicion i think as we mentioned earlier wednesday's the smartest child it's probably the smartest one out of all she's twigged right early on especially when they allude to she's always done research on the um bermuda triangle, triangle and then yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like well i've come back but no one ever comes back yeah, I don't know, but I think Morticia has an idea of what is going on with all the comments she makes that's trying to get him to see he what he's missed. I guess she does know what's going on, but she's, but I'm not getting it up. He needs to work it out on his own. We head into the charity auction that they're organising, which, and this is really saying something, might be one of the most like bonkers moments of this entire movie when they the, they've given this antique like chinese finger trap 
finger cuffs. Locked finger on cuffs. Finger cuffs. <laughs> a pair of I Chinese finger cuffs. <laughs> <laughs> Literally what I wrote the second I saw those things. <laughs> it's a Kevin Smith reference for anyone not in the... <laughs> and it... So yeah, the Adams, the Adamses have have donated these this this pair of finger cuffs that Margaret still has stuck on her, her hands. She's not been able to take them off yet. And she's all dishevelled because she's just yeah. like completely trapped yeah. in it. Gomez bit like the opening bid is like fifty dollars or something like that, or a hundred dollars, and Gomez just goes, meh, preposterous, twenty thousand dollars or something <laughs> stupid. And then it becomes a bid war between him and Morticia. But as that's going on, they're essentially just like like it's just getting them revved up and they're just getting down in the middle of the auction room. It's just ridiculous. And they're in the car and this time Fester has the finger cuffs. I gotta stop calling him that without laughing. <laughs> He's finger got trap. Little, finger, finger trap. trap. Yeah. He's got the finger trap on him and he doesn't know how to get out of it. And he says, How'd you do it? And Morticia takes them off. And goes, oh, there's a trick to it, of course. And that's when, like, like again, just perfect timing by Raul Julie. He's just got this moan of suspicion across his eyes. Everyone's seeing it, and that's when you see the the moment, like, like he's 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 driving his train set, just ranting and raving as this train set's going around. The passenger in that train set—that's Barry Sonnenfeld. That made me laugh uh, so yeah. much. Yeah, that made cameo. me laugh so much. That was really funny. It, it threw me a bit because I'm you. You're watching him like with his, this this train like toy train set, and then it cuts to this one passenger in a train that sees like this gigantic Raul Ju- like Gomez outside, and he's just like, yeah. "What the?" I'm like, it's like, is he now controlling a large, like a, an actual train? I don't know what's going on. During the train sequence, uh, Gordon attempts to break into the vault again on his own. Mm. And he gets in there, has no idea which lever to pull, and this like clamp comes down and drags him through this piping. But there's a bit yes. where it goes through. I think it's Wednesday's like bedroom, the fish tank, he, isn't it? Yeah. And he just and he just pl- <laughs> plummets through like this fish tank, and like Pugsley and Wednesday and Morticia are just sat on the bed, just watching him, just like being dragged through. <laughs> and then he gets like flushed out into the garden. And and then that's where actually Morticia goes up to him, and you kind of get a suspicion that she knows yes. something's up because yeah. she makes a line or something like, uh, like be aware of like how important family is." Like, there's almost a warning there. She she knows. I did enjoy how, like, Gordon's transition, like Christopher Lloyd's character's transition through this movie, is is very nice but i quite enjoy this this acclimatization he has with the kids to start with because they're 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 practicing this sword fight and and, and delivering these lines and stuff like that and then he's starts giving them critique he starts giving them direction and like no 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 if you're gonna kill someone you're gonna do it like this you gotta hit this major artery and starts giving them Starts choreographing their fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like starts starts choreographing their fight basically, so that it's so that it's more believable. But this is where little bits of like who he really is, yeah, or potentially really is, starts creeping in, and that's the interesting yeah. thing. Like, he finds these types of things much more comfortable to deal with than being around his his so called mum. 
Yeah. Like he can deal with like going through a book that's like just about scabs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, he gets so excited as well as the kids do. Like actually he's more he's more like these these people than he realizes. Mm. And actually perhaps he is more at home here. And that's what's quite scary for him when you see, like, that night as well, he's standing on the balcony because obviously Pindishloss has, the con artist has, has gotten through to Gomez in the sense of, you know, you need to give Fester time and it'll come to him, you know, he's into it. And they have this moment on the balcony and... You can almost see, like, with everything that's going on, though, that Fester almost has some remorse. Like, Gordon almost has some remorse as to what's actually going on right now. He feels bad, and he almost starts to feel guilty long before he actually starts doing anything. Uh, and they have this really moving moment on the balcony before they proceed. I didn't mention this earlier. Obviously, one thing that Gomez is doing throughout the day is that he's playing golf on the balcony of his bedroom, which is then launching into the room, like, launching into the into the fruity pebbles of the judge that lives over the way. <laughs> That's what you always get, the damn you, Adams. And they start playing golf together after they've made up and everything's fine. should probably just point out that fruity pebbles is a brand of cereal, not a, a euphemism. <laughs> I'm going to go back, because this is that's one of the opening scenes, isn't it? It is, one yeah. Of the, one of the yeah. But I find it weird because the camera pans into the judge's first floor but he sat at the table eating cereal, and I'm thinking, yes. why are you not on, oh, in the weird. kitchen, not up in a study type? I don't know. It just kind of felt weird. He's upstairs rather than downstairs. But it was, yeah, yeah. Camera wise, it was definitely an odd angle mm. that they were taking. Like, to, like they tried to insinuate that the golf ball landed so hard that it fell through the ceiling into the judge's cereal. A little bit further down the way, uh, it gets to the school play moment of it which is when wednesday and pugsley are going to be doing their performance fester has decided he's, he's, he's digging his seals in and saying that he's not going even though he's they, they've helped put it that he's helped put it all together um he just breaks the kids hearts and and says no i said i wasn't gonna go i'm not gonna go and that's because that when they're out of the house that's when he's gonna start trying to break into the vault again and so the adams go to the school and they're going in that's when they see margaret and tully again I'll play a little game a sec. Their son, name the film Jurassic that Park. he is correct. <laughs> right the out one with the, the gate. raptor claw. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he's like, the one he's the one that Alan Grant threatens with the raptor claw at the start yeah. of the film. That's I was watching I it and just going, I know that motherfucker from somewhere. <laughs> I just... But I mean, is he Margaret and Tully's son? Son. Yeah. Because yes. they're not you don't see him again. And spoiler, <laughs> I'm not gonna spoil what happened, but I mean, like, spoiler, <laughs> he's dead and she's with someone else. <laughs> oh, yeah, holy shit. I related a little bit too much to the Adams family in this scene than I would probably care to admit because there's the moment where the rest of the kids are seeing getting to know you, <laughs> and I just wanted the ground to swallow me up. <clears throat> I just, there's just. <laughs> Their their reaction is like a meme now, isn't it? Is that that shot of them looking bored in the audience? Yeah, it's that sequence where they do. Where they... It's not even bored. It's not even bored. It's ho- it's disdain and horror, like the... isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's horrified. They are scared of what is actually happening on screen at, the, at, 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 at that point. 
I didn't pay attention to this as a kid, and then obviously the further we got, like, like the, the the performance that Wednesday and Pugsley are doing, I have no idea what they're trying to do here because it's not actually a scene from anything. It is a mishmash. It is loads of little bits and pieces from different plays. They say it's supposed to be from Shakespeare. I think there's like one line, but then it's a palpable hit. Yeah, and then it's Hamlet. So yeah, so you got a hit, a very palpable hit, which is from Hamlet. But then there are other lines that they say that is actually delivered by Fortinbras at the end of the play after spoiler alert for hamlet if you haven't read it yet for this like what four century old play after everyone is dead fortinbras comes into the kingdom as part of his little invasion and then delivers these lines so it, it it's completely nonsensical it's literally just there as a delivery point you know it's not a, it's not a negative point it just maybe goes like really you know i think it would have had a little bit more impact for everyone as a whole if it was something from a specific duel or fight or something didn't need to be from shakespeare could have been from anything but it, it, yeah the, the fact that it was just a mishmash of various bits of dialogue i think just didn't ring true enough for me is that because for you being a obviously doing drama and all that stuff and acting yourself you know where it's come from you've done this before and you're going it's great when you wear for me it worked i didn't know where it come from I, they said shakespeare i just mm. assumed it was shakespeare and maybe i, I, I yeah, accepted maybe. that and yeah, I read read. I was done Ham. done Shakespeare at school, but not like I remember most of it. I'm with you. Um, Luke, yeah. So mm. I I think it worked fine. I think because you you've been in that play, you've done that play, you know know of it, and it's probably why it does great for you there. But I think it worked quite well. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. yeah. And all it is is it's just a couple of lines just to move the scene on really quickly to get to like <laughs> one of the most incredible sequences in <laughs> yeah. the entire film. Oh my god. Stunning. I mean this so I, good. I, so, <laughs> I mean I watched that and uh, I I mean there were so many takeaways from this. One this had to be a one shot. Yeah, you got to wonder how many takes this <laughs> yeah. took, if at all. They, may, they must have rehearsed the hell out of it to get all the laughs yeah. out before. Well, I did what, because if you look if you look at the judge, because the judge is in the front row, and if you look, he's not looking horrified. He's got a weird smile on he's his face. He's got like a bit of a smirk so, going on, isn't he? And he's like, yeah. Hey, so okay. I wondered if it was a one shot, and that was like various footage that they could actually use where he wasn't actually laughing. Could be. There's a lot of fake blood, though. Where where were they storing that? So <laughs> much. Yeah, so much but that's fake the joke, blood. So much it's fake right, blood. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah. It makes Clearly no sense. Up, like, yeah. Reservoir yeah. dogs didn't have that much fake blood like tim roth did not lose that much blood in reservoir dogs this like this is this is this is just like this, this is old faithful this is this is a like a reservoir this is just insane i think it's more the blood of lost blood in this, in this than film. In the entirety of like hostel or something oh for sure because it is oh, my word. gruesome and we see they decide that maybe a way to acclimatize fester a little bit more or it's, it's a goodbye isn't it because he's not gonna yeah. he's not gonna be staying for very long so as a, a as a bit of a send-off they've decided that they're going to throw a party and invite all of the adams and associated friends and stuff like that to the house and that's when that's when really you start to see like how great the this this house set actually is i mean obviously it's not one big house that they're walking around but the practical interiors that they designed for this is absolutely phenomenal and the ballroom that they do is just stunning i love the transition it's a great line as well where gomez just goes tish how long has it been since we've waltzed and you go oh gomez 
it's been hours and that's that's just <laughs> just such a great that's 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 just such a great marker for them and then obviously they lift off the the sheet off one of the tables and then it's big ballroom and like all these parties going across and that's when we start seeing all of these characters obviously flora and fauna turn up the twins that was the um the the catalyst between gomez and fester but then we have a familiar face to anyone that's seen the tv series before the uh, face <laughs> son's face yeah the og cousin it pulls up and i mean i've get into it a little bit in a minute but he's a he's a bit of a dog he's a bit of a dog he's a bit he's a bit he's a bit of a player it, it's it's quite funny like like i don't know if any of you have seen this in, in in recent years there is there was an animated movie that had happened uh recently mm. a sequel is actually going to be released next year uh, it's oscar isaac voicing gomez charlie's theron's voicing morticia but cousin it is also in the movie as you would expect but it's voiced by snoop dogg <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of an appropriate joke. I'm racking my brain here. <laughs> I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because they, you got this moment where um, Fester's also trying to break into the vault again, but then he needs to start making an appearance in the party. While, as he's getting ready, he gets rumbled. Wednesday notices that t- Dr. quote-unquote Pindishloss is there shaving Fester's head and he's talking as Gordon and what they're going to do to break into the vault and she runs away knowing what she knows so they're trying to find Wednesday and while this is going on he's down at the party and that's when we see this 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 Adam's tradition dance called the Mamushka which is just insane like truly truly bananas and Lee it boils down to what you were saying earlier you can see how he's acclimatizing and remembering because you're not going to remember like dancing with blades in that mm. fashion, just just purely by chance. Uh, the mamushka it was actually a lot longer, and they showed they did a test screening to a bunch of valley boys and girls, and it said it took them out of the film completely the wrong audience to test mm. this on, mm. and they said it was it stopped the film for them, so it got cut horrifically. Is it does it still exist? I would presume on a DVD or something like as an extra. I don't think it is. No. I don't think they put it in the B-roll. I mean, I'm sure there has to be a cut somewhere. It's always made me laugh, though, because there's a few words spoken here and there. You know, we danced the mamushka for Jack the Ripper when Nero played his fiddle, yada, yada, yada. But it's when he starts singing, and it's just always made me chuckle that just for the sake, like, it's so shoehorned because it rhymes with Adams. They go, I swear by mommy and... we may have just skipped to like an important bit where tully has like this candid Mm. conversation with the twins oh yes and he then finds out that fester is the eldest of the brothers and is actually like well the true executor of the estate which you know then sparks a little idea inside tully's head so rather than going again for the uh for the money initially he takes a little trip across the road over to, to the, the judge's, judge's house, house. Yeah. yeah yeah which is it's it it, it it's very strange stuff because obviously then yeah they gomez finds wednesday and they go back to the house they look like she's in the graveyard she's in one of the tombs mausoleums what have you and then they go back but they go to the front gate and i remember watching this 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 was a bit of an odd moment for me because they went to the front gate and i thought but 
the graveyards on the ground. I thought this. I I had a bit of a what? But then I I just assumed that actually perhaps Gomez had found Wednesday. He then went to find the others because you see that Lurch is out in some random car park just lifting up cars as if they were like <laughs> micro machines. <laughs> but why would you though? If you're on your grounds and you found your daughter, just carry her home. I mean, like. I mean that that's for me, but the way they described everything, I mean, yeah. described most of it is the fact is that it's all on their grounds. So yeah, 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 it was all it was yeah, just, it was all it was mapped out as their they, grounds. Yeah, and it? it was a bit weird that they came back and yeah, they were at the front gate, seeing the sign "Adams Keep Out," which was quickly made. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they worked mm. fast. Yeah, right, that yeah. was yeah. they were not fucking yeah. around there because obviously they go back and they just said like everything's padlocked. Tully makes out the. Like still posing as Festa, they're saying he he hasn't forgiven Gomez. He's heartbroken. Da da da. This is his house. Fuck off. And they check into this motel and they're settling in. Uh, you can hear MC Hammer playing when the kids are at the lemonade stand. When they got the lemonade stand out I think there, you hear it a few times, don't you? As well, don't you hear it when Cousin It pulls up and drives? Yes, away? yeah. Well. I'd imagine that they actually run a Razzie, if I recall, for like best so- like worst song in a movie. <laughs> Oh, I used to, I loved that song as a kid. Oh, I just, oh no, I got I got. They do what they want to do, say what they want to say, live how they want to live, play how they want to play. <laughs> can't believe he's still hours at the right. I can't believe he's still It was quite funny because obviously you see the Girl Scout come to the lemonade stand to sell the cookies, and that's the same Mercedes McNabb. That's her name, who plays the bully. Amanda in Adam's Family Values. I don't know if it's supposed to be the same character or not, but it's the same actress in both movies. <laughs> I I like that scene where she's like going, "Is is it real lemonade? I only eat like true, like uh, like uh, organic, like organic fresh veg, yeah. like fruit or whatever." And then they go, "And if you buy like my Girl Scout cookies," and he's like, "Then Wednesday just goes, is it made by real with real Girl Scouts?" <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The one thing I noticed <laughs> as well is like in the background of that scene, there is a uh, there's like pizza, there's a pizza company in the background, like Tombstone Pizzas. It was like the first time I really? noticed it on like a bigger <laughs> screen. Like it's just like little bits like that throughout the entire film that just get thrown in. There's a lot of visual gags actually that are like quite subtle yeah. unless you're really yeah. looking for them. It's like a little bit like like um like the grandmother is not like walking; she's full on floating by the window trying to catch a cat. <laughs> and then she leans in and said dinner's gonna be late (laughs) like i think probably like the biggest incredulity moment for me in this movie as much as i love it is how the hell did morticia get a job in a kindergarten because she's (laughs) (laughs) like how did she get a job teaching children (laughs) she where she said she studied like she majored in was it hexes curses or something wasn't it yeah yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't get past CRB these days, would it? <laughs> <laughs> that poor defenseless witch. They pushed her into the oven. I I this is when I jump in the corner with with things. Job of the FedEx delivery uh, <laughs> yes. in the little car. Yeah, it's so, piled so. Yeah, nobody questions yeah, one, it. One that doesn't freak anyone out, and two that car is piled high, and he goes through the woman's legs. Who's 
erotically bent over showing her ass off. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I mean, I get house and the skirts. Obviously, it's like a long skirt. I'm thinking, how's he gonna? And she she goes, ooh, like type thing. But I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's gonna be more of a massive crash than anything. But you know, he carries on going, delivers those boxes. This do, that, do that noise again, Luke. <laughs> Fuely. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. It's pretty hot. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll store it later. <laughs> oh no! Let's try and save this, shall we? Yeah, yeah. yeah Let's re-rail yeah. re- yeah. this train. So we've got this. Mo- uh, uh, so we have this moment. Um, like Morticia realizes that something isn't right. It's never really addressed as to how she comes to that term, but she wants to speak to Fester. So she leaves the house and heads to the house to go and find Fester. During this point, Thing is following her works out that she's back at the house. She sees that she's then taken into the house and is going to be tortured by Festa, Pindishloss, and Tully. Thing then goes away to go and uh, runs, quote-unquote, back to the motel to go and get Gomez. And there was just it was just a line that it was just so stupid, but it did make me chuckle because he's doing sign language, trying to tell Gomez what's going on and Gomez is yelling at him just going so slow down it's terrible when you stutter what <laughs> what can I just jump back because there's another line that Gomez has when he's just kind of like slumped around and Morticia like suggests going for a drive like the whole yes. family and he's just like and he's slumped in his vest and he's watching TV a drive and Miss Gilligan <laughs> like he's become obsessed all of a sudden and there's another bit which you know why that is though don't you you know why Gilligan no. Gilligan's Island was also released in 1964. Oh, so it was a rival. Yeah. But there's another scene in there as well where he's watching daytime TV and he calls up a chat show because they're talking <laughs> yes. because they're talking about Sally Jesse they're talking about here. like family members <laughs> that have joined cults or something and it's like for the last time Mr. Adams we can't give you their number. Yeah. We don't know where they meet. We don't know where they meet. That's it. Actually, we're going back add another bit same thing Wednesday's eating the same cereal as the judge was and she like takes a bite and just looks at disgust at what it is <laughs> like I, yeah <laughs> not only is Wednesday eating the same cereal that is what like because then um thing switches to Morse code and picks up a oh, picks up picks up a spoon bowler, yeah. and it's also the same cereal and I literally like one of my notes here is that were fruity pebbles a sponsor of this movie because <laughs> it seems to be the only cereal that is being eaten in this entire movie is it a real cereal yes is it yeah yeah it's product placement oh. my friend but yeah sorry we jumped back g but it, they're, they're just some really when they're in the real world there's some real funny yeah. like funny moments mm. where he's almost started to adapt to just being like a slob is, the, oh, yeah, is, is, is he a layabout and a slob oh, he used to be. <laughs> yeah. not like he used to be <laughs> but Gomez works out where Morticia is and then he drives over there I think this is like the only time that I've ever seen Gomez do anything for himself in this movie I mean he ninjas it into the house through yeah. the window he's right? badass in this scene kicking <laughs> it down smashes through the window and that's when uh, we have Gomez versus Tully part two electric boogaloo <laughs> I just had a random thought you like but, so we know that the Gomez is, that Gomez pays Tully with like doubloons but he's very adept at like pirating you don't know what Gomez is you don't know if he's like human ghoul or creature and you don't really know where all his money comes from perhaps he's descendant from pirates which is why he's so good at like 
swashbuckling, jumping through mm. windows. And it was just a random thought. Yeah, he's, he's, def- he's definitely lived a life, for sure. Yeah. Like, he's picked up some stuff along the way. They finally have this moment, like, like, like Gordon has this moment of clarity where he's like oh no what am I, like, like what am i doing and he sides with sides with the adamses but that's when we have the big the big twists of the entire film where you've got um where you've got mother turn around like just berating him and said i should you was it? i should have left you in the gutter where i found you or something like that and that's when he just goes oh mm. shit what like it's kind of been hinted at through the entire film but that's when you actually get the big the big drop of the entire thing you just go oh so she's not biological mother we have like this bizarre ending for these two characters for tully and abigail craven where Festus stands up to them opening this book we find out that obviously like the books in the library have a life of their own. And he picks up this one about a hurricane, it opens up, and they all like spin around the room and around around and around and around and then just slings them up and then they they land in a grave each that Wednesday and Pugsley have miraculously who you know, like half an hour ago were asleep in the motel and they they've just miraculously turned up at the graveyard in the Adams compound. Oh yeah dug these graves, made the tombstones, and they land in them. And I love Pugsley's reaction like are they dead? That's one for the corner. Yeah, <laughs> one for the corner. <laughs> Pugsley has the reaction of like, are they dead? Wednesday just got, does it matter? <laughs> Cut to black. That's the <laughs> Yeah, dark. The uh, Festa gets hit by lightning from the book, doesn't he? And it, it, it gets hit by lightning in the skull. Yeah. And, that's, and that's what's supposed to like jog his memory. And this is, you know, Damien, what you were going to earlier about like, they got, <laughs> they sent in the kid to stick up for the integrity of the movie. Because she's unlikely to get fired, or something along those lines. Yeah. But yeah, she they, they they to to reduce the ambiguity of the movie. They decided they had to make it out as though he was one hundred percent fester. Gro- like like I like I have to admit, growing up, I didn't really think along those lines. I actually like originally watching as a kid, I did think that he like the lightning kind of like wiped his mind, and they made him think that he was fester, and kind of took him in. I just thought it was like a, a I jolt. I guess that's sorry, oh, sorry, Lee. I was just saying. I just thought it was like a jolt. It just knocked like his brain cells back into place, and like he reverted yeah, back. That's what I. I see. I, like, I see that now. Obviously, but as a kid, it was more a case of like I was seeing. I was seeing more of a linear journey to a redemption rather than circle back. The foreshadowing is quite subtle, though. Yeah. Like, I mean, you probably wouldn't pick up on it as a kid. It's only. You know, being the age we are Agreed. now, we'd probably yeah. pick up on it a bit more. Everyone has their own kind of like conclusion in this. Cousin Itz has now wound up with Margaret because her thieving scumbag of a lawyer husband is now buried alive. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, we're like seven months later. It's like we? seven. It jumps ahead yeah. quite a bit. What's what's the significance of the seven months? Why seven? What, like it's, it seems awfully specific to not say you know six months later. Because now we're because it's Halloween. But is at any point is it is it clear that it's march then in anywhere else in the film why it is a bit misleading because you have christmas carolers at the start of the film yeah we've got the space of a week yeah it threw me a bit but anyway i'm splitting hairs does it really matter though <laughs> it works for the film i mean like yeah that the whole thing Luke, Luke looks there exhausted with it <laughs> it doesn't matter no, no, no just exhausted <laughs> in general um uh, no but i mean like yeah you have the, the space of the week because obviously fess is back for and he has to go in a week um, but I mean, like, you don't know how long they were out the house for, do you? 
Um, uh, true. So, true. I mean, time... Well, long enough for it to be March. At least, yeah, so... <laughs> no, February. February. Because otherwise, yeah. But then it did... No, March. Maths. Sorry, sorry, Luke. Carry on. <laughs> yeah. we have a couple of trademarks to uh, to close the film off obviously we have fester taking a portrait with pugsley pugsley's dressed up as festive halloween and he gets fester do the trademark light bulb in the mouth which i've always thought was a really nice touch to see that again so that's from the tv series which that is from the tv series because that's why they ended up in a little bit of like well almost being sued didn't they because there's a few things that were taken from the tv series which weren't licensed to the film oh really yeah and then we get the sneak peek that clearly we have sequel inbound alert when everyone's going off to play a a game in the graveyard which i never really truly understand like the wake the dead i'm still i'm still (laughs) not sure how that is supposed to work you you wake the dead it does what it says (laughs) touche well you just um... Yeah, the Ron Seal of grave robbing. You just see Fester there with a skull of one of the aunts playing with the kids. This is like this is weird. <laughs> it's the Adams yeah. family. Oh, yeah. Well, yes, and the Adams family is soon to become bigger because that's when we find out that Morticia reveals she is pregnant. I don't know what she thinks she's pregnant with, considering that jumpsuit has like one well endowed feet or something, <laughs> three legs, <laughs> and. And big and big MTV movie award winning kiss and credits roll. This is also where you get to see like the the oil splash all up the door as well from the beginning of the film. Oh, is that where it was? Yeah, so you see it like splashed all up the side of the stonework and the back of the door. Oh yeah, it look, I thought it was like a bat yeah. kind of design, but no, it's not, is it? It's, it's the, the oil, oil splash. splash and what remains of, of the course. carol singers. <laughs> <laughs> and that, dear listeners, is the film before we get into final conclusions as what people thought about this film i just have a few a, a little bit of trivia to throw up about this as we like to do uh rotten tomatoes overall in this film has a critic score of 64 percent and an audience score of 66 a little lower than I was actually anticipating, actually. Hmm. Surprisingly low, yeah. Um, budget for the film was actually around approximately $30 million. Um, domestic box office for the film uh, was $113,502,426. This made bank. So, to give an indication where this film sat in terms of box office in 1991, this was actually the 8th highest grossing movie in 1991 it beat some crazy film i want to say i don't mean like overall i mean like taken for that year and you have to take some of this with a pinch of salt because some of it is that you know some of these films were released later some of these films may have more money because it was released slightly earlier obviously this was released in november 1991 it had beaten films like goodfellas drop dead fred highlander 2 uh, Edward Scissorhands, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, uh, the third Godfather movie actually came out that year. Uh, Star Trek VI, Kindergarten Cop, Hook came out that year as well. Hot Shots, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze came out in 1991. <laughs> it was beaten, however. The seven movies that it beat were Sleeping with the Enemy, Dancing with Wolves, City Slickers, Silence of the Lambs, which, as mentioned on the last episode 
Anthony Hopkins was in the running to play Uncle Fester, but turned it down to actually take on the role of Hannibal Lecter. Third in the box office that year was Home Alone. Second was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And top film for box office in 1991 was a little movie called Terminator 2 Judgment Day. So actually, in fairness, some pretty standout films. Yeah. 1991 was... I, I mean, it's... It's interesting seeing some of the films that we're talking about at the moment, particularly in like in the early 90s, were just those box office figures were stacked. It is crazy the 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 level of films that were coming out at that point. Given that last episode we did a little deep dive into five star reviews. Oh, yes. I thought it would be quite funny <laughs> to to revisit. Now, obviously, once I figured that this movie was a mixed bag for a lot of people, uh, I thought I would go into the polar ends of the scale. So I'm going to give you a couple of one-star reviews first. I live for these. <laughs> and then I'm going to give you a, a, a couple of five stars that I have. And these were all pulled off from Amazon. This first one just... I thought was phenomenal, if only for the fact that its title is simply Wrong Movie. <laughs> and that is, and the only comment I got was Wrong Movie Inside. Got Toy Story 3. <laughs> <laughs> second one star review that I had, it had a title of Not What I Was Expecting. And it says, My friend is called Toy Story 3. Yeah. <laughs> It says, my friend is called Michael Adams. I thought this was a film about him and his family and the wacky hijinks they get up to the time he was arrested for being so drunk he fell asleep in a stranger's house. <laughs> Their fault for leaving the front door open, I say. <laughs> now, and then we have the five-star reviews. First one was a title of No Words Needed. It's simply... Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3. <laughs> No words needed. If you do not own it, get it. If you haven't watched it, your soul is already lost. I thought, wow. That's, that's, that's some Shang Tsung that's, level like, threats there. That's deep. It? Second one is all in capitals. So I'm going to... Shout, <laughs> shout it. I'm going to try and shout it without waking up everyone in the house. Very good creepy film. I have always liked this film. I had it in my video collection, which I had to get rid of. Now I got it in my DVD collection. That's it. That's that's. <laughs> I love Toy Story Three. <laughs> Lee Russ. <laughs> and this, this is my this is this is my favorite five star review that I could find, if only because the title of it caught my eye first, and it simply the extra D got me. <laughs> and the description of it was uh, the review. I was expecting a documentary about the private life of Irish Sinn Féin leader Jerry Adams, his <laughs> his wife and family, and his turbulent and controversial rise to political power on the streets of Belfast. I did question. I did question about a third of the way through the show if I may have been sent the wrong disc in error. A third. A third. <laughs> then I saw the additional D in Adams. This will teach me to be more observant when making online purchases. <laughs> Nonetheless, it was an enjoyable film, and there's no doubt some similarities that can be drawn from the lives of the two Adams men. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so, 
as a quick round table, as we've uh, spent a fair chunk talking about the film, actually. Luke, I want to come to you first because obviously you like you you mentioned that you weren't totally sold on the film, but as a whole, all things aside, like 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 where does it rank for you? Would you would you at least recommend it to anyone to check out, or is it just something you say of the time? If you know it, carry on watching it. If not, maybe not for you. I definitely feel if you've seen it before, you've got that nostalgia and you you've got that more hype with it. Well, mm-hmm. you know you've seen it. You you, th- you know how funny it is. After talking about the film, yeah, there is there's a lot of funny scenes in it. Yeah, the actors are brilliant in it. Um, it works really well. I do feel like some of it's a bit ropey, like the CGI. But I mean, it's of its time, and if I can, it, well, I found it a bit dis- disjointed sometimes and jarry. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's a little fun. I think if you haven't seen it, I I wouldn't say I would recommend at least. I would recommend it. I said if you if you want to watch it, it, it is fun. Um, me personally, it's not something I would go back to choose to watch. I think there's other films out there that I would, would want to watch over this. But yeah. if you haven't seen it and you're inclined to want to watch it, then give it a go because it's not bad. Um, and it's, uh, the actors in there are brilliant. It's, it is funny. Um, so yeah, give it a go. Mm. Excellent, excellent. Damien, over to you. Oh, if you want to be entertained and you've got a spare hour, 40 minutes, and you can't put anything, bung it on, it's great. Also, I feel that we were robbed of a great Zorro with the fight scenes. Raul Julio would have made a great Zorro, I feel. That would be interesting, yeah. Um, that would have been interesting. It's uh, The cast are giving it their all. They're on top of their game. And you honestly forget some of these, who they are in real life. Because they nail these parts mm. perfectly. Uh, it, it's, it's a piece of entertainment. And if you, if you want a good time, just go with it. Turn off your expectations and just yeah. go with it. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Lee, what about yourself? Um, I, I mean, my note, my final note was, you know, I left this film with a smile on my face, mm. like, you know, after watching it recently. And yeah, w- would I recommend it? It's a difficult one because I think, although I don't have any real kind of nostalgia for it, like, you know, I was aware of it at the time and I had seen it 20 years ago or whatever. I don't know. It's it is fun, and I, you know, it's kind of what I think. Like Luke said, you know, if you're interested in seeing it as a piece of history or something, yeah, definitely give it a go. Is it one? If someone said to me, "I'm looking for a good comedy film," you know, a, a horror comedy, it's like would I recommend this over, I don't know, Beetlejuice or some other kind of, you know, more widely known or you know more well loved mm. film? I don't know. I mean, it's it's perfectly serviceable as a film. You know, I I enjoyed it and you know it made me laugh you know which is ultimately what it's aiming to do but i don't know if it's sort of at that kind of upper level that's enough for me to say yeah you know chuck this one on over something else ollie your final thoughts so recommending it i would say that it is on a level with something like beetlejuice i, I really would i think production wise yeah you're and right. i think it's agree. equally I, as entertaining and equally as funny and it it goes along at such a good rate. As I said at the start, this is one of those like moments where like the moon's kind of aligned and it kind of came out at the right time as well. Like, as I say, like the script was is near is near perfect. It's near perfect for the film. The casting is perfect. You know, yeah. the cinematography is great. The costumes, I think the costumes and the set production are phenomenal in this film. Like the 
the mamushka scene alone where everyone's dancing and you've got characters in prosthetics <laughs> like lumpy adams i think he's a great character and there's also like this other like other character who's like she's dancing with candles and then there's the orchestra it all just looks so stunning and so well dressed and beautiful throughout the entire film and it just makes for like this there we go it makes for a visually like spectacular film <laughs> God, we haven't done any of those kind of puns in this but it, re- it it really does and it but it doesn't feel like the film is is overstretched it doesn't feel like it's been overworked or or busy it just re- feels like a natural film and considering there's now like remakes and there's animated films out i would I would go and say, watch this version of the film over any of those. The best thing that it has done is that it cleared the way for all of the cast, pretty much all of the cast, to come back together for Adam's Family Values, where they absolutely nailed it on the head. I I think it's a much superior film. Like I, I, I enjoy this film, but I think Adam's Family Values surpasses this i think i've only seen that once but as, as sonnenfeld's first film first like directorial debut yes this is yeah. incredibly good work and that's the thing it's like other directors we've spoken about it set him up for a good series of films like he can do mm. men in black is a good series of films Definitely the first two. First I think one. the third one is. I think one the, of the third best. one's better than the second one. Yeah. I, I'd like. I'd, 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 I tend to miss out the second one. I don't like it. I, I've only seen yeah, that. The one third one's very good. I, but yeah, I, 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 I wasn't a big fan of the third one. But anyway, sorry. I would recommend it. I think it. I think it is a. It's a really good film. It's really great fun, and what sells it is is the cast. I, and perhaps I do have a lot of nostalgia for it, and now that I'm older, I get a lot more of the adult jokes, which adds another level to it you know simple things like when <laughs> morticia's like in leather straps and gomez makes some a comment like straps pokers and then morticia turns around and goes later darling <laughs> like there's all of it's got so many depths to it which is incredibly clever well there you have it listeners it's a, a mixed bag but i think reasonably positive Nevertheless, I th- I think for me, yeah, like this is this has always been a favorite of mine growing up, and even now, I think I probably would recommend it again if only to 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 watch Raul Julia and Angelica Houston play these two characters because I do think they are quite stand out. I do think they are quite iconic in their own right for various things that have happened over the last thirty odd years. But if you do want to ch- to check the movie out, it is available on Netflix. And yeah, give it a look if you haven't already. And if you haven't, you know, fair play for actually sitting through us talking about it already. I would say it has led me to, I do want to watch the sequel. Is that on Netflix as well? Do you know? Yes. It is brilliant. So. <laughs> yeah. I'll give that a watch. So listeners and majority of Collective, before we sign off, the more astute of you may have realized that there is one birthday choice left to highlight now, that choice falls to Damien. Now, good sir, what clues can you indulge us with before revealing what we shall be watching for October? Well, first of all, oh, there are a whole list of candidates. We could be 
Aliens was there, Predator, Terminator. I mean, the top top two films besides one we're going to be watching were Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, and Ghostbusters. So this it beat Ghostbusters. It's so close. It's the oldest film we would have watched. Sorry, guys, we're going way back in time. It's a sequel as well, a first for the show. Not very highly thought of at the time, but it but now it's regarded as a stone cold classic. Some of it was filmed in the producer's home as sets were falling behind. One of the plot threads is a couple of buddies having great trouble with their mode of transport and spend most of the film trying to get it fixed. I think I've teased you enough. Guys, Gareth has promised we're not going to be punished for this. <laughs> we are going back to 1980. Star Wars Episode B, The Empire Strikes Back. Hey. It came out the year I was born, uh, so it's I was old as me. Um, every and like most of these films we watch, the older we get, you read more into it. So when he was younger, it's all oh, it's the flashy battles, but the story, but and the, you know you get sucked into the story, and it's like I said at the time it wasn't highly thought of. People thought it ended on a downer, and now obviously it's considered the best of. Just so you know how much I love Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> <laughs> you find out this is one film uh, yeah, I have I, seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, on, I honestly thought you might go. Down that route, and I thought oh, I might have to fall back to Ghostbusters if you pick one of the, but some one of us was going to have to do it at some point, and I it was so close. I thought Halloween Ghostbusters, love to know this one kept winning out. So there you go, guys. Fantastic, so, excellent. Available, available on Disney Plus. <laughs> well, yes, that is quite right, listeners out there. If you have access to Disney Plus, then it is available on there to view if you want to watch it in advance of our next episode going live. There you have it. Very soon we'll be taking a trip to a galaxy far, far away, and we, of course, invite you to join us once again on the next instalment of the Geeks Journal podcast. Gentlemen, thank you, as always, for taking the time out for joining me today. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thanks to all of you out there for taking the time to listen to this episode, and we hope you've enjoyed it. Until next time, end of line. The Adams family started when Uncle Fester farted. He farted through the keyhole and paralysed the cat. Da-da-da-da-da. <laughs>